Happy Advent. Right? We're headed to Christmas. Right? But you already knew that because the Christmas hype train has been on the tracks for what, two months already? Um, so today, I'll get into that later. Uh, but it's Advent. We're headed toward Christmas. And so over the next uh, leading up to Christmas, we're going to be dealing with some, some themes of Advent. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. And I hope you are too. So uh, this morning, we're looking at Romans 13, 8 through 14. Romans 13, 8 through 14. And I just had a mint, so it's kind of gumming up my throat a little bit, and I don't like it. So excuse that. Romans 13, uh, before we read, uh, it'll be on the screen, it'll be on your screen, and uh, yeah, before we read it, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you again for this place, for this time, for this space where we can pay attention to you. We can read your word and through the power of your spirit, Lord, hear your voice. So we pray for that. We pray for that today. This morning we pray for, for us to hear your voice and for that voice to do something in us. Change us, mold us, make us more like you, Jesus, so that we can represent you well in the world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 13, starting at verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves their fellow person, their neighbor, has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be, He's like, I don't have time to give you all ten, so I'm just going to give you four and move on. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness. Put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime. Not in orgies and drunkenness. Not in sexual immorality and debauchery. Not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Go that far. So, like I said, today is the first Sunday in the season of Advent. I think it's important for us whenever we begin a new season and, and decide to live into it, uh, like this one, I think it's, it's, it's a good thing for us to sort of remind ourselves what Advent is and what it means and what this whole season is sort of about. Advent is a word that simply means coming. And when something or someone is coming to you or is on the way, 
we get all sorts of different feelings inside, right? Feelings like this. We, we have this feeling of waiting. We have this feeling of hoping. There's this feeling of expectation. If someone's coming to us on the way, we have this sense that, you know, we sort of need to, we need to prepare. We need to be ready for that person to come. And when you think about it, a pregnancy is a really good way to think about the season of Advent, which is appropriate because we're actually waiting to celebrate the birth of a baby boy born in Bethlehem about 2,000 years ago. But when someone is pregnant, you wait for that new life to emerge from the womb. Like it's such an extraordinary experience. You hope that that new life is healthy. You hope that new life is whole. You expect that new life to make all sorts of difference in your life. Like everything changes. Everything about your everyday living is going to change when that new life arrives. You anticipate the joy that you're going to feel. You prepare your house, your heart, your home for the arrival of that new life. So that's kind of, that's what Advent is all about. That's what this whole season is all about. This season, this is the season where we prepare to celebrate the birth of Jesus, right? But of course, we live on this side of Christmas. So Jesus has already come. He's already come into the world. He's already lived and died and rose again. He's already ascended into heaven. Before he ascended into heaven, he promised to be with his followers every moment of every single day by that miracle we call the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he promised that one day he was going to come back again. And he was going to bring in the kingdom of God finally and fully and make all things new and put all things back together again. So, so for us, Advent isn't about simply waiting to celebrate Christmas, which is awesome. Like, we love to celebrate Christmas, but Advent is also about preparing for Jesus to enter into our lives every single moment of every single day. So that's the kind of Advent, the kind of coming we find Paul talking about in his letter to the Romans. And back then, he thought Jesus was going to come back soon. Like, he didn't imagine this, that 2,000 years later, we'd be still here waiting, hoping, expecting, preparing Right? But his mess, so his message to the Romans is urgent. If you listen to his words, they're strong, right? Listen to what he says in the, begin, in the middle of verse 11. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. Wake up. Sleepwalking. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. It's like waiting for the dawn right? So you sense his urgency there, right? He's essentially saying this, wake up, pay attention, snap out of it. He's like, you live in a world that is constantly trying to draw you away from the, from the divine. You live in a world that is, that is surrounding you, a culture that is surrounding you with all kinds of things that will influence you to become someone you were never meant to be, that was influencing you to to do things and act in ways that you never dreamed you would act. And then he lists a few of them. And he goes right to some ones where we're like, no, I never dreamed I would do that. He's like, orgies, drunkenness, sexual immorality, debauchery, dissension, jealousy. Wake up, he says. Pay attention to the little details of your life. Pay attention to the decisions you make and the people you run with. Pay attention to the people you follow on Twitter and the things you read on Facebook because that stuff is influencing you. 
Think about all of the ways that those things are influencing you. How does it make you feel? Pay attention to the ways that Jesus is already making himself known to you in the here and now. Prepare yourself. Pay attention. We don't know when he'll come back. So Paul's thinking it could be soon. It might be later today, might be tomorrow, might be in a week, might be in a month. Prepare yourself. You want to be ready for when Jesus enters into your life. You want to be ready for when God shows up. Wake up. It's time for you to snap out of it. Wake up from your slumber. Stop sleepwalking. You get the idea. Problem is, I think out of all the seasons of the year, like this season is probably one of the toughest, if not the toughest, to be prepared and to, to stay awake. Because around this time of year, I, I think a lot of us tend to, to push what I like to call our spiritual snooze buttons. Do you have, a snoo- do you have an old clock on your, on your nightstand that has an actual button on it and you can snooze? Or maybe you've got an app on your phone, the alarm clock app, and you can press the snooze button. How many of us use our snooze buttons regularly? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven of us. That's not very many. I love the snooze button. My wife hates the snooze button, but I push it anyway because I love the snooze button. If you don't use your snooze button, you should try it sometime because it, the, the extra seven to nine minutes of sleep you get is just fantastic. So here's why I like the snooze button, right? Your alarm goes off and you roll over and you press that precious snooze. And you get to, for the next seven to nine minutes, however long it is for you, you can just rest, right? You don't have to pay attention to anyone or anything. You get to cuddle up in the warm blankets you're under. It's like a little cocoon. You don't have to think about your day. You don't have to think about, I'm in that space right now. I'm snoozing. You don't have to think about all the things you need to do. You can sort of just let go of all your responsibilities. And it's like, utter bliss. Okay, you got to snap out of that. I love it. I love it. But, but snooze buttons can also be a little bit dangerous too. They can, they should probably come with a warning, right? Because if you press your snooze button too many times, you can get up late and find yourself unprepared for your day. If you press your snooze button too many times, you can get used to the sound of the alarm and maybe it won't wake you up at all. Friends, during Advent, God comes to us and says, wake up from your slumber. Pay attention. It's time to pay attention to me, to follow me. And we sometimes, I think, get, get all caught up in the Christmas hype and we press our spiritual snooze and we say, not now, God, I'm really busy. Like there's too much planning to do. There's too many celebrations. There's too many parties. There's too many gifts to buy. There's too much work to do. My kids have to be run all over town because they're involved in all sorts of different things. I, there's, I'm just too busy. I can't pay attention to the presence of Jesus right now. We don't even do it intentionally. We just press that snooze button. And during Advent, God comes to us and says, no, nah, man, wake up. I'm trying to reveal myself to you in new and fresh ways, even in the middle of all of that busyness and all of that mess. And sometimes during this time of year, we we think we've heard the story of Jesus coming into the world. 
we think we've heard the story of Jesus, uh, the Word becoming flesh, so many times that we just know the story, right? I bet you that if we took a few minutes right now, we could probably come up with almost word for word without looking the story of Jesus' birth from Luke chapter 2. I bet we could almost come up with it word for word because we've heard the story so much. We know it and we think there's nothing new. And so sometimes we, we press our spiritual snooze button during this time and we fail to hear the story in new and fresh ways. But friends, God becoming flesh in the person of Jesus is too important for us to sort of ignore because we're too busy to not think about. The story of God becoming flesh is too big, has too many sides, way too many angles for us to, to even fully grasp. Our spiritual snooze buttons, they're not an option. Not during this season, especially when God is before us saying, wake up, stop sleepwalking, pay attention. So how do we do it? How do we prepare ourselves for God to reveal God's self to us? Paul gives us a couple of ways. Okay, two ways. The first one is this. We prepare ourselves by paying attention to the boundaries that God has given us. We pay attention for God to reveal God's self to us by paying attention to the boundaries that God gives us. And when some of us hear that word boundary, we're like, I don't like boundaries. Some of us are like, yes, yes, order, that's good. Let's get into that in a minute. In verse 9, Paul reminds us a few of the Ten Commandments. He says, do not commit adultery or murder. Do not steal or covet. And there's some other ones I don't have time to give you right now. And then in verse 13, he gives a, four, a few more do nots. Let us behave decently as in the daytime. Not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Essentially, Paul gives us some rules to follow, reminds us of, of the law of God. Now, traditionally, we human beings sort of have two extreme ways we respond to laws and boundaries, right? Some of us like to go nuts with rules and laws and boundaries, and we make them the goal. Right? Some of us make our lives all about the rules and the boundaries. That, of course, is the, is the, is the problem, that the, the mistake that the Pharisees made right? in the stories about Jesus in the Gospels. This is what they did. Right? They thought that if we do all the right things, if we follow all the rules, if we stay in the boundaries, if we become holy enough, then God will come to us. God will save us. God will reveal himself to us. And to that, Paul is essentially saying, no, if you think that boundaries are there so that you have a way to gain favor from God, you're doing it all wrong. You've already got favor from God. The point of the boundaries isn't so that you'll get favor from God. It's so that you'll actually pay attention to your neighbor, right? The point is so that you'll love your neighbor because he says, hey, look, if you love your neighbor as yourself, you fulfill the law. So the other extreme is that we like to ignore the boundaries. We dislike them. Like we find them oppressive. Right? In our world, I think this tends to be something that we like to live into. Right? Because I think there's something deep inside us human beings that makes us sort of dislike rules and laws and boundaries. I'll give you an example. 
You know those things that hang from wires? Sometimes they're poles at intersections. They're yellowish-orange. They've got three lights in them. They're, there's a green, a yellow, and a red light. Think about what we call those things. What do we call them? Stoplights. We call them stoplights. They're not called stoplights. They're called traffic lights. But we've renamed them stoplights because we don't like laws. We don't like boundaries. So what we do is we emphasize the negative and we call them stoplights. Who likes stoplights? They're annoying. We don't like stoplights. They impede our progress. They slow us down. They make us late. Nobody likes stoplights, so we've renamed them stoplights. When in reality, traffic lights, if you think about it, it might be one of the best inventions in modern history. Right? They regulate the flow of traffic so we're not banging and bumping up against each other. They help us love our neighbor so that we're not crashing into each other. They probably save us more time and money and lives than we probably even realize. So we all know what happens if we ignore them. Bad things happen. So God doesn't give us boundaries so that we have a way to sort of win favor with God. It's not why they're there. God doesn't give us boundaries so that, so that if we'll obey them and we make ourselves good enough and pure enough, then he'll sort of reveal God's self to us. And God doesn't give us boundaries to be an oppressive force on our lives. No, he gives us boundaries so that we'll learn to live in a right relationship with him and we'll learn to live in a right relationship with those around us. So paying attention to those boundaries sort of heightens our spiritual senses so that we are able to, to see God more clearly when God reveals himself to us. Right? Let me say it like this. When we pay attention to the boundaries that God gives us, we make more room for God because we're, we're getting rid of all the other junk in our lives. So that's the first way. Pay attention to boundaries. Here's the second way. We prepare ourselves by clothing ourselves with Christ. We prepare ourselves by clothing ourselves with Christ. He says this, rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. I happen to love this image because what is one thing that we all do every single day of our lives. What do we do? Get up in the morning, probably take a shower. Maybe you take a shower the night before. I don't know, but at some point, what do you do? You get dressed. You clothe yourself. So as I'm thinking about this, I'm reminded of the story of Adam and Eve, right? So God creates Adam and Eve. He places them in the garden, gives them the whole thing. Enjoy. Then he says, there's this one thing. Don't eat from this one tree. That's all I ask. Don't eat from this one tree. And what do they do? They ignore the boundary. They eat from the tree. And God catches them red-handed. But what does the Bible say they realized after God confronts them? They realized they were what? They realized they were naked. And then they became ashamed. They realized they were exposed. And here is Paul saying, 
clothe yourselves with Christ. We all mess up. We all cross those boundaries. But we can clothe ourselves with Christ. Embrace his forgiveness. Embrace his grace. But I think it's actually more than that. And this idea of clothing yourself with Christ, I think, has a, has a transformative effect in our lives. Right? I think of it as a, maybe you can think of it as kind of a uniform that we wear. Because when we clothe ourselves with Christ, we are reminded who we are, to whom we belong, and who we represent in the world. Right? Think about what a uniform does. It shows people who you represent. We clothe ourselves with Christ. And this isn't something that we do just once in a while, or once a year, once a month, once a week. This is something we do every single day of our lives. It should become as normative for us as getting dressed in the morning. In fact, maybe that's the perfect time to think about this. Because what do we do when we get up in the morning? We get up in the morning, most of us you know, clean ourselves, or we start going through our days, we take a shower, and we go through our list of things that we need to do. We go through our list of people we're going to meet, the stuff we have to accomplish, the places we have to go, and it's all very self-centered. These are the things I have to get done. What if at the same time, we clothed ourselves literally, we clothed ourselves with Christ, then we start thinking about those things differently. It's not just, what do I need to accomplish? It's, how can I accomplish what I need to accomplish today in a way that is loving and gracious? We're not just thinking about the people that we're going to interact with today. We're thinking about how can I show kindness and love and compassion to the people I'm going to meet today. Or when we think about the places that we have to go, we're not just thinking about the places that we have to go. We're thinking about them in such a way so that when we get there, we can look for the people who are not included, who are on the margins, who are on the outside, so that we can extend love and grace and include those people too. Because that's just how Jesus lived his life. What if we got into the practice every day when we buttoned our shirts in the morning, when we zipped up our pants? We're actually thinking about clothing ourselves with Jesus so that when we walk out the door, we actually represent him well. And when we do that, along with paying attention to the boundaries in our lives that, that help us love our neighbor, perhaps we'll find ourselves running into the divine more often because we're not centered on us. We're centered on the other. And what are other people? Other people are made in the image of God. And so when we've got our focus on others, maybe we'll see God reflected back to us and God will enter into our lives and we'll be able to see it. Why? Because we're prepared. God comes to us in the season of Advent and says, wake up from your slumber. Don't sleepwalk anymore. The night is almost over. The day has come. I'm trying to reveal myself to you all the time. Pay attention. 
Let's pray.